1: Welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don Delorante, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne?
0: Not much. It's been a little while, and we have reached the dull days of summer.
1: Yeah, man, we are officially at the point where baseball and motorsports and...
0: Man's USFL title
1: game. man, soccer... In spring football, the uh, only things that are going to get you through from now... Don't
0: forget the W.
1: ...until August. Oh, yeah, WNBA, sorry. And if you like uh, Open Links Golf as well. So, yeah, this is what your next uh, two and a half months are going to be consisted of here. Uh, up until training camp start at the end of July, there's not going to be much going on. But... There was a lot that went on, so we're going to talk about it here on Know the Score. You can find us on the web at cspn.us. Uh, you can also search for us on any podcast platform. All you have to do is search for KTS Pod-the-CSPN, and you'll get Know the Score in your podcast queues. So, this is uh, the ring season for the NHL and the NBA. And we'll start with the most recent championship victory, and that was the Colorado Avalanche defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning four games to two, to capture their first Stanley Cup in over twenty years. Um, Two thousand one. uh, What? How do you say this dude's name? Kale 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 McCarr. Kale McCarr is named the playoff MVP. Uh, He is the Conn Smythe Award winner as the best player throughout all of the Stanley Cup playoff NHL and Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, Tampa Bay, excuse me, uh, Colorado was the best team uh, all year. They won the President's Trophy. They had the home ice advantage throughout the playoffs. And uh, they lived up to the old adage of to be the man, you got to beat the man. And they defeated the
0: two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. Yes, uh, and not only, before we get to the Avs as a collective, let me just go down Kael McCarr's accolades. Mind you, fourth overall pick in the 2017 NHL draft, and... Yeah, so he's a fourth overall pick in the 2017 NHL draft. Uh, played two years at UMass. Um, made his debut in 2019. Won the Calder Trophy in 2020, for Rookie of the Year. Made the NHL All Rookie Team. Already a two-time All Star. Um, and then he's won the Norris Trophy as the best defenseman this year. Um, well, he made yeah he made the All Star game this year, won the Norris Trophy, best defenseman, won the Conn Smythe as the MVP, and is a Stanley Cup champion. All of this done, and he is only drum roll please
1: twenty
0: three <laughs> years old. That's pretty impressive, man. Very so, uh, one of the steals. Uh, I mean, top five pick. Colorado definitely got their guy uh, in this draft, and he has been impressive ever since. Um, But this Avalanche team was really built from the ground up. Um, There were definitely a lot of lean years that this team went through. And this was the this was the end result. I mean just five years ago, Colorado was having a top five pick. They were a lottery team in the NHL and now here they are Stanley Cup champions. Um Jared Bednar has done a great job. Um taking over. He took over for Patrick Waugh. Who was a Colorado Avalanche legend in his own right, uh, and Jared Bennar, who took over uh, from went from the NH- AHL to the uh, head coaching box, uh, and if we look at just look at the last few seasons for the Avs, They were they won the Central Division. They won. They had the best record in the West. They were second in in 2021. COVID shut down. They were, they were, um, they made the playoffs the last five years. Uh, couldn't get past the second round, but everything just came together, uh, this time around. Um, and you just got to give it up. We had, uh, uh, Landis the captain, Gabriel Landis Nathan McKinnon, um, Padre, you had uh, Darcy Kemper between the net, who outplayed um, Andre Vasilevsky in most of these games. The game two thrashing, I thought it was going to be a sweep after Colorado went up 7-0 in the second period and ended up winning. And when the crowd just literally broke out in the Blink 182, all the small things chorus, uh, which solidifies the fact that NHL crowds are much livelier than NBA crowds. I'll die on that hill. I don't care what anybody says. Um, but gives Tampa Bay credit even after getting shelled seven uh, then they ended up they bounced back, won Game Three, they lost Game Four. Had to go to Colorado in an elimination game. Uh, took game five, but they just could not get that. They were up one nothing game six. Colorado took two. Uh, they took two goals. Got ahead 2-1. Tampa Bay could not find an equalizer. That would have ended up forcing overtime, possibly get it in game seven in Denver. But for the first time in, for the first time since 2019, um, the Stanley Cup's going to have a new home. And that uh, new home is in Denver. Yeah, he, um,
1: the 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 Avalanche are definitely um, a team who had a five year plan. Like you said, they went from. You know, not even on the radar as far as playoff team and competing and being, you know, one of the teams in the mix to the last two years, especially, um, you know, being right there in the forefront. Um, this year they took that next step and it produced them a Stanley Cup. So you have to, you know, tip your cap off to them, uh, their coaching staff, their front office, their, play, their player development as well. Um, It takes a a whole organization to win a championship. I mean, we just see the results of what happens, you know, the 60 minutes or more, you know, on the ice. But uh, it's so many people who are involved with this, from support staff to trainers and video coordinators and things like that. And so, you know, that's why it's so hard. And that's why those guys celebrate and take the pride in winning the championship in all sports the way that they do just because, you know, it's so many things have to go right. So much luck, um, you know, injuries, you know, you have to avoid injuries. And if you do have injuries, you, hopefully they're not damaging enough to slow your momentum. And, you know, it's just so many things that can go wrong to try to get those 16 wins that it takes to win a championship in the NHL. So, um, let's shift over to Tampa Bay uh, before we close out on the hockey. Uh, Tampa Bay um, really, really showed a lot of metal in game five. Um, mm-hmm. Winning that game on the road. Um, the way that they did, the Lightning fans were ready for that championship celebration to begin. But the Lightning de- dug deep and showed that championship medal to force that game six on their home ice. And that was a game that I thought, that they were gonna pull out. I mean, it, it was the the low scoring games seemed to go to Tampa Bay, the higher scoring games seemed to went to Colorado, but Colorado changed that narrative in Game Six, won that game two to one, and uh, thus ended the Lightning's reign as two time champions. Um, do you think that they run it back with they the, already said they are. Giroux and, and all those guys trying
0: to make one more run at it uh, as yeah. constituted. John Cooper, Stephen Stamkos, they've already said they're there just because they lost not mean It's the end of their run. So uh, you're still going to see Stamkos. You're still going to see Kucherov, basilewski obviously. Uh, Braden Poy is still going to be there. Pat Maroon, man, I mean, you got to – I got – even though they lost this series – Uh, You got to shout out Pat Maroon because this man, before this, before this loss, uh, Maroon had won 15 consecutive playoff series. He won all, he had three straight Stanley Cups. He won with the Blues in 2019, won with the Lightning in back-to-back years, 2020-2021, but was just two games away from winning a third, a fourth straight Stanley Cup. And the 16 straight playoff series. So, um, uh, so yeah. So I gotta give him a lot of love because that's really unheard of in any kind of sport. You haven't heard that in such a long time. Like it's really the last three P in any sport has uh, the Lakers in tw- 2001, 2002. So. And the last hockey three P was in the 80s when the uh, New York Islanders won the third of their four straight Stanley Cups. And so, but Tampa Bay, they already said they're going to run it back. I know they're going to probably have different pieces added on there. Um, the petty Sharks fan in me is happy Corey Perry didn't win a Stanley Cup. Um, <laughs> But uh, one veteran that has one that did end up winning Stanley Cup, uh, Jack Johnson, um, at the age of 35 now, uh, does get a Stanley Cup with the Abs. Uh, he was a third overall pick in the '05 draft from the Hurricanes before getting traded to the Kings, and then uh, had a little had some rough issues, uh, but he found his way back on the roster against the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche, and um, and yeah, so it's going to be a very interesting um, NHL off season. And um, I know I think free agency for the NHL uh, will be starting very. I think it starts uh, within the next week or so. Um, everything did get delay with the NHL, had their little COVID COVID breaks. So, um, I think free agency will begin on July 8th instead of July 1st. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, side note on the NHL before we close it out, um, they will have the draft on the draft will begin on July July seventh. And it'll be the uh, it'll be on ESPN. And um, that will be the Montreal Canadiens have the number one overall pick at the winning the NHL draft lottery.
1: All right, so we'll see uh, what new faces are gonna be coming in and, and who's gonna make the biggest impact on the nhl speaking of drafts the nba had their draft uh last week uh seems like it was so long ago Uh, paulo (laughs) boncaro number one pick um there is a lot of don't know how that
0: happened there's a lot of
1: misinformation out there the day before leading a day or two leading up to the draft uh saying that um uh, Jabari, what's my man's name?
0: Jabari Smith.
1: Jabari Jabari Smith from uh, Auburn Auburn. was going to be the number one pick. It kind of seemed like that was, you know, kind of set in stone uh, up until the pick came in, and it was Paolo Boncaro. Um, I don't understand how Jabari Smith kind of jumped him when all year it was pretty much a given that Paolo was going to go number one, and then especially once he... Uh, you know, took Duke on that run to the Final Four, um, I didn't think that, you know, it was going to be any doubt, but then it was very surprising, but you know, it just
0: might have been that, you know, throw him off the seat. He had that potential, though. I think the the NBA impact that Javar Smith can bring in terms of having the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, having the, the long, range shooting and Long range shooting, the defense. Um, and he, Javari Smith, I mean, you really can't say it because Javari Smith only had two scheduled interviews because he was given that information that he wouldn't go past number two. He never interviewed with Houston. So he never interviewed with anybody below number two. He figured it, he was told confidently, and I, and I you know, You get, you're only getting told where you're getting projected. And I guess whoever gave him that intel might have been bad intel, but I don't know if it was his agent. I don't know if it was the sources his agent had, whatever the scouts were telling them. But, you know, when you're being told for weeks that you're not going past number two. you you really start to believe that. But I was as surprised as anybody uh, with Ben Carroll going uh, number one. I, I mean, I do see the NBA, I do see flashes of the NBA already, but I don't see him being a changer like Shaq was, like Penny was, like Dwight Howard was, and those were the three top overall picks by the Magic. Well, actually, the Magic's pick was Chris Webber, but that guy trained to Golden state, but um, Penny was technically number three. But I just don't see that same – I don't see the same impact. Maybe I'll be wrong in a few years. I can eat my words. I can own up to it, but I don't see it right now. I just don't see him having that same impact. Um as those three past number one picks were.
1: Uh Chet Holmgren squeezed in at number two. Um I don't know if he
0: can mean he could squeeze in anywhere. It's his size. Jesus.
1: <laughs> and then uh we had Jabari go in at number three. A lot of people were very pleased with what Houston did in this particular draft. A lot of people were excited about Jabari Smith's falling to them um, and their uh, their other first-round pick as well. Um, so, a lot of people are very high on what Houston did in this year's draft.
0: Definitely. And, yeah, Jabari Smith fell to number three right into Houston's lap. I think that's going to be – I think that's going to be – that's going to bite both um, – Orlando and Oklahoma City in the future I, I can see that happening um, and then uh, Tyree Houston out of LSU and falling 17 uh, going to Houston that was a gift pick for them as well um, and then when I look at the but Oklahoma City though they had the picks they stopped they definitely had all the picks in this draft uh, they um, Chet Holmgren then Jalen Williams was at number 12 and then they had the Peyton Watson out of UCLA he went to Oklahoma City at number 30 uh, and then and then uh, so there's going to be two uh, Jalen Williamses in Oklahoma City Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. He goes in the second round at 34 to the Thunder there. Um, kind of running down the rest of the field. Keegan Murray out of Iowa. He goes to Sacramento, AKA NBA Purgatory. Uh, Jaden Ivy, who did not want to go to Sacramento, got his wish. He's going to Detroit. Ironically, his mom, the L Ivy was a member of the Detroit shock. Um, who are now the Dallas Wings, by the way? But uh, Jaden Ivey's going to go number, he went number five to Detroit. Uh, Benedict Mathurin, uh out of Canada, he went number six to Indiana. He's already made headlines. He went to Arizona, but he's already made headlines uh, basically saying LeBron's an to ask about him. So <laughs> I can't wait to see that matchup. Um, definitely have that circled on the calendar. Um, Shaden Sharp out of Kentucky, number seven to Portland. Dyson Daniels out of Australia, he played for the G League Ignite team, going to the Pelicans at number eight. That was from the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Jeremy Sochen out of Poland went to Baylor. He is uh, he went to San Antonio, number nine. Wisconsin's Johnny Davis, 10 to Washington. Um, Osman D'Ang, drafted by the Knicks, traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, He's uh, French, played in New Zealand. He went to number 11. Uh, Then uh, Jalen Williams, like I said, out of Santa Clara, 12 to Oklahoma City. Uh, Jalen Duran went 13. Uh, He was originally picked by the Hornets, traded to the Knicks, and then the Knicks flipped that to Detroit. So he's going to Detroit. Um, Ochaibaji, uh, nation's most outstanding player in the tournament, going to Cleveland at number 14. Mark Williams out of Duke to the Charlotte Hornets at number 15. Other notables Christian Brown, which actually surprised me. I thought he was going to go in the second round, but he went in the first round to Denver at 21. And that guarantees him a contract. Um, Wendell Moore out of Duke, he went to Dallas at 21. And this isn't a of Nikola Jovich, not Jokic, but Jovich, uh, he is going to Miami at 27. And Ty Ty Washington out of um, Kentucky, he's going to Memphis at 29. Uh, the Warriors selected Patrick Baldwin. Out of Milwaukee, uh, basically uh, Baldwin went to the draft after his dad uh, got fired from Milwaukee, so it worked out for him. He's going number 28. Trying to see if there's any notable uh, notable second-round picks here. Uh, Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska, 40 to Minnesota. Um Michigan State, Max Christie, he went to the Lakers at 35. I think Skip Bayless had a field day with that one, basically saying he's going to fit in with uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, Russell didn't like that too much. Instead, you can say it to my face. Uh, we know Skip would actually do that. Any man that calls uh, Chris Bosh Bosch Spice to his face or TLT obliter- obliterator, I think he'll say that to Russ easily. Um, Trevor Keel's going to the Knicks. Um, Let me see who else. Uh, Isaiah Mobley. How about this? Isaiah Mobley out of USC, drafted at 49, going to Cleveland, and he's going to join with his brother Evan, who was the third overall pick uh, last year. Uh, So Evan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley together again in Cleveland. And then uh, Boston Celtics picked JD Davidson. Uh, there was their, that was their only pick of the draft at 53. And um, there are only 58 picks this year. Um, Milwaukee and Miami lost second round picks due to tampering violations. So that. Is really that's the end of the draft. Brady Manick, uh, shout out to him, got a trial contract with the Hornets, so he'll be on the summer league team as well. Um,
1: you know, one of these drafts where uh, you know a lot of these players are one or two year in college players, a lot of players from the G League uh, coming in, but not as many foreign players as we have seen in years past. Um, maybe there seems to be a shift in um, the front offices of the NBA where they're looking for, you know, maybe more guys who have more G league experience instead of the, the guys from overseas. We, you know, usually there's at least one overseas player in the top 10 and that did not happen this year. So I was, I was very surprised to see that. Um, Um. Just uh, overall, um, out of the top five picks, who do you feel is going to have the, you know, all-star possible championship career?
0: Uh, let's see. I would say... I would say out uh, of the top five... I think Jaden is gonna surprise a lot of people. Uh because and I'm gonna here's how I rank him. I'm gonna rank I'm gonna rank him um, I'm really kind of flipping here, so I'm gonna say Javari Smith's gonna be number one. I'm gonna put Jaden Ivey number two. And I'm gonna put Ben Caro at three. Uh and then uh four Keegan Murray. And then Chet Holmgren at number five. Now, Chet Holmgren can bulk up. Because I see Chet Holmgren, and I see Adam Morrison, and I see the day that he tore his ACL and was never the same again. And I don't want to put bad vibes out there. I don't want to put anything out there towards Chet Holmgren whatsoever. But... um, I really hope he bulks up his frame because he was going to get abused in the paint by these NBA forwards. It's no such thing
1: as as, as centers anymore. So, you know, he can do the Anthony Davis thing and just stand
0: at the elbow all game. He can... I mean, he can get muscled up, though. Like, I mean, if he's trying to get rebounds, he's going to... You still got to get in the paint for rebounds. Even if it's a long rebound, short rebound... I can see a guard kind of just like blowing by him and just getting, getting whatever they want, especially on defense. I, I just, I I just need the I need him to bulk up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> something, give me get to at least two twenty. I mean, you could be wiry and strong and whatnot. See Brandon Ingle, for example. Brandon Ingram skinny, but that man is deceptively strong for his frame. He's shown that in since being in New Orleans. Oh yeah, and I, I say Nia Ivy just playing for Detroit. How could I forget she's a head coach at Notre Dame yeah. as well. As well, yeah.
1: So. Does she coach in the WNBA now?
0: No, um, no. She's still she. She was. I know she played in the WNBA, but yeah, she's been in order. She went back to Notre Dame as an assistant. And when Muffin McGraw retired, she took over. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before
1: the draft, we had the Warriors winning their fourth NBA championship, uh, fourth title in eight years. Steph Curry, your finals MVP, uh, basically from. He uh, put the team on, on his back in game five.
0: Yeah, we know. Um,
1: <laughs> well, game four, oh. excuse me. The second game uh, in Boston, he put his team on his back with, with his best – Game in the finals. Uh, What was that stat line?
0: Like 42? Uh, Yeah, 40-something. Yeah, 42, like eight rebounds,
1: eight assists or something just ridiculous. (laughs) Basically lifted the team up on his back and carried them across the finish line. Boston got to kick themselves for not winning game five, which Steph Curry was just – he was just all from three point line.
0: Uh, the only and, silver line you get that game was Andrew Wiggins'
1: performance. Yeah, I was about to say Andrew Wiggins uh single-handedly carried the Warriors in that game, and then game six, uh Steph and the boys uh, you know, put that one away. uh Boston started out fast. What was it? 14 to 14 to 2 at one point. Yeah. And then the uh Warriors went on like a 21 to nothing run, and after <sighs> that it was as Vince Carter said So, sir,
0: you don't really have
1: anything to be ashamed about because the all-star break, people were talking about disbanding your team, breaking up your two young superstars, questioning if Brad Stevens needs to come down out of the uh, front office to come back to coach the team because Yumi Adoka was still trying to find his way, trying to find his groove, his voice. The team was struggling. Marcus Smart cussing people out, throwing tantrums in the locker room. Uh, There was a lot of chaos at one point for Boston. But uh, everything gets forgotten and smoothed over when you make it to the finals.
0: Right. Yeah. uh, I really wanted to break that 17-17 tie. With the Lakers, so badly.
1: Well, you're closer to winning the championship than they are currently. We'll see how things may transpire and change over the next week or two.
0: Right. The silver lining, I mean, we can run the tape back to our basketball preview. And I explicitly did say on the show that if Clay Thompson is healthy, don't be surprised if we see a Golden State run. I said it on this show. Yeah. And it did come true. Yeah. That true. That is one of the two things I can hang my hat on. I did correctly predict this. I'm not saying I can't do it next year. I hope I can, but I highly doubt it. Um, but I take solace in that and I take solace in the fact that Andrew Wiggins is an MBH. Um he wasn't the focal point like he was in Minnesota for a year. I think the trait, you know, I think Cat wanting to get D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota was the best thing that happen for Andrew Wiggins. Um, he got to be around a championship caliber team with that championship DNA. He got accustomed to it. And he's a champion himself, so... Um, great year for him. He became an all-star. I mean, you can give an assist to the K-pop crew, but he did get the all-star nod, and you know, if... I would say I would probably be... Had it not been the Celtics in the NBA Finals, I probably would have been going for the Warriors because of Wiggins, but it still stings at the end of the day. I mean... I was really hoping it could have been a repeat of 2008, Kansas winning the NBA, the NCAA titles. Boston wins the NBA title. Would have been a nice repeat of that, but you know, just felt a little bit short.
1: I think that Boston is in a good position. Um, The uh, the talk after the finals is that they, they're, they. um, their lack of a true point guard because the turnovers uh, oh, were a major, major, major that part of the why they lost the series. Lost. Right. So people are now trying to, you know, put the spotlight on um, on our man Marcus Smart and basically saying, hey, there needs to be an upgrade at the point guard position uh, in order for Boston to move forward and maybe, you know, win the championship next year. Uh, your thoughts, sir? Do you think that you can get by with Marcus Smart, or do you think that you guys do need to maybe go out and try to get more of a pure point guard?
0: I think we still need to get a more. I think we need to get a pure point guard. Um, we need. We need playmaking. I mean, Marcus Smart did. I think if he could have just solely focused on defense versus trying to have the bring the ball up the court like Derek White is. There's too many combo guards. Uh, uh, Peyton Pritchard didn't get as much playing time. He was probably the only true point guard on the team, but he's more of a shooter anyway, so you might as well classify him as a combo guard. So I think getting a point guard who can make plays Uh, And it doesn't even have to be a, you know, a point guard that's going to, you know. It it doesn't have to be one that has to do the scoring because you have scores. It's somebody that's going to have to distribute the ball, find find ways to get the scores of the ball, penetrate, kick there was a lot Boston got their threes off screens but if you have somebody that can collapse the collapse the defense and get a kick out or make quick decisions in transition that's gonna be a good key and also play solid defense because at the end one one the best way to get on any basketball court is your ability.
1: I thought one of the key things that the Warriors did, uh, especially from game four to the end of the series, was uh, they they tried to push the ball as much as they could. Um, they tried to get as many easy baskets as they could, not have to face that, um, you know, the setup up oh, Boston cool. defense. And I, and I think that that really is what kind of got Marcus Smart caught up is the speed of the game. You know what I'm saying? If they're running, we, we need to run right back at them. And I think that that is what maybe exposed him a little bit more than in the first yeah. couple of games where the pace was more to Boston's liking.
0: Right. And then I also think too, with, um, with the, uh, yeah, with the conditioning and, you know, Jason Tatum, People will say he disappeared. I mean, he had first off, you gotta give Andrew Wiggins a lot of credit. He played hell of a great defense on him for one, and then they are also focusing on double teams on him as well. He did get forced into a lot of turnovers, and I also think the youth of the Celtics and the inexperience in the finals kind of brought came back to Harlow because they got. And, that, and this is what happened with Memphis. They did not have that playoff medal that Golden State has, that championship DNA. That uh, championship DNA is, is unparalleled in these kind of situations.
1: Right, right. So now that brings us to the NBA offseason where we had. Everybody's favorite point guard, Kyrie Irvin, playing a game uh, of chicken with the Nets, but he lost. He was trying to get traded or get a short-term extension. Neither happens, so he has to exercise his $37 million playing option. Um, the Nets were like, sure, man, we'll give you this three-year extension, and the first year will be guaranteed, but years two and three will be based off of if you show up and come to work. So you need to play, I think it was something like 65 games or something like that is mm-hmm. the number that they had put in there uh, for him to be able to guarantee the second and third years of that extension. And uh, this was, you know, kind of the first time a front office had taken an approach with a player in the NBA uh, on a contract. I was I'm based glad- on. Yeah, based on, you know, actually showing up and playing in games. Um, so that ended up, like I said, with Kyrie trying to play chicken with the Nets, but he lost and had to settle for this $37 million. So the whole... Point that this is going down, everybody is talking about the leverage that the Nets would have versus the leverage K- uh, Kyrie would have. Uh, just because you know, the Nets are going to try to do everything in their power to keep Kyrie because they need KD, and that seems to be like a package deal until a couple of hours ago, where Kevin Durant broke his silence and informed the Nets that he wants to be traded. Phoenix and Miami are his top two choices. So now Sean Marks and Steve Nash have a big old problem on their hands.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, and this has been a almost fifty year problem since the Nets joined the NBA. I really think the fact that, aside from the two years of Jason Kidd, this franchise has been cursed. I mean, me, we go back to the NBA merger. The Nets were outdrawn to Knicks prior to this merger. Yeah, because
1: they had this dude with this really big afro and these big hands. They could jump really yeah. high.
0: Exactly, and I was getting to that. Uh, so, so, the Nets outdrawing the Nets. Basically, Nets are winning ABA titles. And then 1976 comes along. Net, now, the I did the research. I was at work doing the research in between calls. So, I did put this on Twitter earlier. Um, entry fee for those four teams, Nets, Nuggets, Aces and Spurs was $4.8 million, Which is about $24 million in 2022 dollars. Now the Nets had to pay an additional $3.2 million to the New York Knicks for quote unquote invading their territory. That caused Nets' ownership to basically sell jewelry Reserving because they had the money stay in New York anymore. They had to go across the Hudson to the swamps of Meadowlands and then change their name to the New Jersey Nets on top of that. And even before moving back to Brooklyn, a lot of lean years in New Jersey, not really able to get the star power that they once had. Drazen Petrovic was probably as close as they got to it, but he tragically passed in 93. They had Jason Williams, but then he had his issues.
1: Hey, man, don't don't discourage the error that was Kerry Kittles and Keith Van Horn, dog.
0: Uh, They got bitched by Michael Jordan and the bulls, though. So (laughs) I can't really. They also
1: went to the finals two years in a row.
0: That was when Jason, that was part of the Jason Kidd era, but
1: he, they were still playing though.
0: Uh,
1: man, they that were... was the Jason Kidd era. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, see that. Man. so they were part of the Jason Kidd era. That's that's the, that's the first part of the statement aside from the two years of Jason Kidd. Um, but then they go to Newark York because Isaiah Center is pretty much a dog. Um, they move to Brooklyn. They get the they get fleeced by Danny Ainge uh, with the KG Paul Pierce Jason Terry trade, um, and the first round picks that the Nets gave up ended up being Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Um, then, so they get they do a good job. They do a relatively good job. Trying to rebuild with second round picks at free agents. I look at the likes of Karis Laverde, then free agent D'Angelo Russell comes in, will be a trade. They, they have some flash of respectability. I say flash because it literally was that very quick. They end up with this Kyrie KD situation that never add James Harden in the mix. James Harden goes out, then you get Ben Simmons, who doesn't even want to play anymore, um, it seems like. And now we are here, and Kevin Durant is trying to find yet another trio to team up with. So uh, does this look bad on KD in terms of, like, all time, eh, kinda, because the Warriors proved that they didn't need K- KD; needed them more than they, they needed KD. Seth Curry has elevated himself in the top ten, at least in my eyes. Able, I would be, I would have to put Kevin Durant at the best top fifteen. But that's just me. That's just me.
1: What's very difficult if you're the Nets and if you're Steve Nash especially is like here's your first ever chance to be a head coach, right? You come into this situation where everybody is like, I don't know what the hell the Nets are even doing firing the coach that they had to hire you because the coach that they had for the talent that they had was doing pretty damn good. Kenny Atkinson. Right. So basically they just exchanged spots because Kenny Atkinson went back to Golden State, went to Golden State, Steve Nash came from Golden State as their like, you know, shooting coordinator or whatever and Mm -hmm. came over to the Nets. Okay. You're here. Cool. First time coach. Of course, you're going to need, you know, some veteran assistance. And so now, not only do you have the pressure of the first-time coach, but then you get dropped in your lap, KD and Kyrie, as a duo saying, hey, we're coming to Brooklyn as a, t- as a tandem deal. We're coming to win championships. We're coming to steal the spotlight from the Knicks. We're coming to take over New York. The city's under new management, <laughs> Right. Again. So now you have a first-time coach who has to try to – understand and deal with these two superstars and their personalities, not to mention still learning how to be an NBA head coach, right? right. Okay. So then after that first season, didn't quite get it done or whatever. Then we're going to add James Harden to this mix. Get us over the top. Okay. Oh. You, you come in year two, things are actually looking very good your team is just obliterating people when they all play to three, play together. It's ridiculous what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, the injuries happen. Kyrie starts to get hurt. He misses playoffs. Then you got James Harden basically playing on one leg during the playoffs. And then you have KD, whose shoe size was one size too big. It keeps you from winning a game against the Nets that will put you in the finals to taking that game into overtime and you're eventually eliminated by the eventual NBA champions. So, you know, Steve Nash got to be feeling good about it, saying, OK, you know, what I'm saying we basically were an injured team going up against, you know, Giannis and his full squad and we took you down to the wire. So if we can get everybody back healthy on, you know, this year coming up, we should be okay in the mix. I'm my third year here. I'm feeling more comfortable. I think I understand these guys and what I need to do to get the most out of them. Then the pandemic happens, and then the keyest of all your cogs, besides KD Kyrie, decides against the vaccination, and then we all understand how this past season played out. Then, because he just lives on a different planet than everybody else, Kyrie <laughs> is like, I, I ain't going to play but 25 games during a regular season. And I'm going to come in and we're going to get bounced in the playoffs. But y'all mofos need to pay me more because I need to be respected and felt like I'm being loved here. Like, man, what are you doing? You just, you just messed up everything up because now KD watching how they treated you and probably not feeling like you were all in on this like this was your second or third choice was to take the money and come back now he's made his decision and man Brooklyn better hope that they can fleece somebody the way that Danny Ainge fleeced them so they can get these you know Future first-round draft. What do you think? Four draft picks for KD if you can't get no players?
0: If you can't. So I got be at minimum three. Yeah, because. You go three, you need a really. Like, let's say for the Suns, for example. You go three and Mikael Bridges.
1: DeAndre Ayton and two? DeAndre Ayton and two. I can see that as well. DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, and Mikael Bridges. First? round pick. Because they were talking say, about maybe trying to shop Cameron Johnson to maybe move, free up a little bit more money to try to keep Aiton. But I don't know. They they seem Aiden, very out of favor with him for some reason.
0: Aiden, well, Aiden and Monty Williams got into it in the last before the Sun got a Okay. And they have not been... I don't think those fences, that fence has been mended at all. Okay. Which is really one of the reasons why. Because Monty's well, too well respected in that organization. And they're definitely not going to part ways with him in favor of eight. Yeah, so good luck to
1: Brooklyn, man. Um, Going forward, uh, Steve Nash, oh my gosh. I don't know what he's going to do. Actually, you know (laughs) what, it'll probably be next year probably be a very enjoyable year for him because he'll probably have a, a team full of, you know, role players and maybe one you know, semi-star, not a superstar, but you know, a semi-star, and, and he'll probably have more fun coaching a, a team like that that he can, you know, influence and you know, try to yeah. you know, show try off his his X's and O's that he's acquired over the past three years, and right. you know, maybe that'll be a, a better situation as far as just his peace and 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 just sanity. That's right. Coach. Um because yeah, man, Brooklyn, they they really hurt themselves by trading for Harden. Just like all these teams, whenever you trade for James Harden in the middle of a season like that, you do more damage than actually uh you know, affecting your team positively (laughs) because you give up all your depth and a lot of these and that's what that's what Philadelphia ran into. It's like, Yeah, Harden's good and all to have on the team, but if he's not gonna score 20 to 27 a game, then we just gave up three guys that could have took up that slack.
0: Right, and I already already saw uh, what did I see? I saw somebody basically saying, oh wait, yeah, let's uh, do let's give up Uh, that's what it was. Daryl Morey is trying to get in on James Harden's fleet state. Did not you just give this man up? Or, wait, didn't you just give up... Who did they give up?
1: Ben Simmons. Uh,
0: yeah, you gave up Ben Simmons. And then you gave up Ben Simmons, and now you're trying to bring KD to the six series, And you already... You give up Ben Simmons, which caused the emergence of Tyrese Maxey. And now you would be willing to give Tyrese Maxey up uh, to... You'd be willing to get Tyrese Maxey up to Brooklyn?
1: Hey, man, when a player of KD's ability becomes available, people do some weird things. They they All this team building and chemistry and, and, you know, taking it step by step, they throw all that out the window because they see that lottery ticket over there and they are just trying to grab onto it and see if he can take them to the promised land. Um, right. But it's going to be a very—I mean—it's already been a very interesting summer for KD ever since that final buzzer sounded, and Steph won that championship. Um, but if he that goes been to been, Phoenix, that band has been going off on and, everybody, and they flame out and don't make it to the championship, or or you know don't make it to the finals at the very least. Oh man, Kevin Durant is going to have a hard time
0: rewriting his hey, narrative. He's going to have a hard time. You already know that man sensitive as it is. So. <laughs> right, right. It's going to eat him
1: alive. Okay, so real quick. Looking, you know, players withstanding coming back and forth or whatever. Best fit, Phoenix or Miami for Kevin Durant?
0: Ooh. So, if you go to Miami, he'll be more of a scorer. Mm-hmm. And that would be a very interesting pairing with Jimmy Butler. Um, however, if you go if you go to Phoenix, you definitely would have to go you would definitely have to um, between him and Devin Booker, I mean, and has already shown he can sacrifice scoring for the sake of winning can uh kd do the same thing right uh can kd can kevin durant be the guy where he can uh, show that hey i can be this uh kind of teammate and if you want to wear number seven in Phoenix that ain't gonna happen Kevin Johnson uh, number is retired in Phoenix so you might have to go back to the old
1: 3-5 that is available
0: <laughs> uh, um, you can do you can do the seventh thing in Miami since there's probably nobody wearing that jersey uh, that jersey is not retired but <laughs> if he wants to try the whole seventh seven thing again uh, he might have to want to resort to the 35 at Phoenix because um, but I, I think Phoenix I can see like Phoenix in the but he's going to have to goodbye by Golden State <laughs> and good luck with that yeah man What's Golden, go, Golden State is
1: in a very good spot if they're young players and, and Wiseman Come back and hit next year. They're going to be, right. they're going to have, uh, they're actually going to have a, a team that can actually let Steph and Draymond and Clay rest during the regular season and that, just have their superpowers for the playoffs.
0: They're going to be what they're going to, if those young players come develop like they should, what's going to happen with Golden State is what should have happened with the 86 Celtics. Mm-hmm. If they would have had Lynn Bias? Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what was that thirty five years ago now, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: just over thirty five years ago. Yeah, man, Boston, uh, Boston made the play. Red Auerbach made the play to get the best player in basketball, college basketball, and um, they got him. I mean, he was so good. Larry Bird was like, man, I'll go play power forward. <laughs> to let right. this dude come in <laughs> and uh because and, he is he is amazing he is something and uh yeah we never got a chance to see it
0: yeah yeah definitely uh, really wonder how how many titles michael would have had if Len was around
1: yeah man <laughs> it definitely would have been a uh something to see um for you know just the uh just the the amount of you know head-to-head matchups that they could have gotten especially you know playoffs and things like that um we'll go through some of the uh quick things that have taken place in the off season before we move on to the nfl uh brad bill and james harden declined their player options uh, Brad Beal has already re- signed his Supermax deal with the Wizards. Five years, $250 million. Uh, James Harden looks like he's going to sign that four year Supermax, but maybe not the Super Duper Max, as he might be leaving a little bit of money on the table to help the
0: Sixers uh,
1: try oh. to regain their
0: depth. Yeah. Before we continue on, I don't want to ever hear anybody say Free Barely Beal anymore. <laughs> You see what he's done. He has chosen to stay in Washington. He has committed himself to the Wizards. Do not say free Bradley bill, because if I see it, I'm going to do just like I did with Larry Fitzgerald. He chose to stay, and let it go.
1: He wants to be the cornerstone of the Wizards rebuild to respectability.
0: I was and I respect that. I definitely respect that as. You know,
1: if they could ever I, just find them a point guard, you might movement. make
0: it. Yeah, in the era of player movement constantly, it's good to see somebody stay in the same place. It, it, it's you know, it's something that you and I, it's something you and I grew up on seeing players stay in one spot, right? And you know, it's something that's and I and I know. Things change. I know times have changed, and I know players are a lot smarter, a lot wiser, and are more vocal in what they want. And I respect that. I'm never going to discount that. But I I, re- I respect the fact that guys like Brad and Dane are trying their dark, their damnedest to bring a title and bring that respectability. To, to their teams and you know maybe if, towards the twilight they'll try to do try to see if they can get it elsewhere but I do like what they're trying to do and trying to get over the hump and if they can get that help or develop that help that will be even better
1: Jalen Brunson is expected to sign with the Knicks for 110 million dollars, leaving the Dallas Mavericks, and being the sidekick to Luka Doncic. If I was him, I four million dollars difference. I think I'd like to stay with Luka. Your life will be so much easier. I sir. would definitely <laughs>
0: stay with Luka. I do I mean, going to New York, and we see where going to the next best people.
1: Yeah, the Hawks, they trade uh, for Deontay Murray uh, of the Spurs. So they get uh, Trey Young, some backcourt help, and somebody to play defense uh, in their backcourt. So Atlanta seems to be. Uh, there's also been talk about John Collins uh, being available this summer. So it looks like Atlanta's looking to try to uh, change the makeup of their squad. Uh, the Hornets, they went back to the future as they rehired Steve Clifford to be their coach. Uh, Steve Clifford uh, was the last coach to get the Hornets into the playoffs. Um, he got let go
0: and In then, uh,
1: went to the Magic, got the Magic into the playoffs, and then was let go. And now he is back as the Hornets coach. So uh, Kenny Atkinson agreed to the deal, then – it, uh, Mike Brown took the Sacramento job, and it looked like the Warriors made a push to keep Atkinson uh, in the fray. So, uh, more than likely, uh, what they're paying him as an assistant coach is equal to or more than what Michael was trying to pay him as a head coach. And so now the Hornets had to double back.
0: The third delivers another blow to MJ.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so now uh, the Hornets had to go back and uh, get Steve Clifford off of the trash heap, and and more. Charlotte Hornets news a budding superstar pending free agent Miles Bridges arrested in LA on felony domestic uh, abuse of domestic violence charges so uh now he's got uh you know one more thing uh in this offseason that he's got to deal with um he already had the Instagram uh post where he had the lean and the, in the joint in the joint in the in the picture and stuff. He had the answer for that. Now he's out here uh committing felonies uh and violence against oh. women. So um not a good time to be uh, a free agent and trying right. to uh you know.
0: trying to get a contact, Yeah, establish uh,
1: yourself as one of the pillars of the franchise when you're out here, you know, being lawless and reckless. So uh, it's been a very turbulent offseason for the Charlotte Hornets, to say the least. And uh, and, and we'll see what comes of uh, the Miles Bridges case and uh, what they do going forward this season. You are listening to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLaurente. I'm here with my co-host, Dwayne. We're going to wrap it up with a little bit of NFL news that is still out there. Uh, the Deshaun Watson suspension hearing just ended today after three days Uh, of course you've got the league out here going for like a year or more suspension you've got the players association uh trying to keep it to 10 games uh and so you have a mediator who will hear the decision independent of the nfl and whatever she rules uh, can be appealed by Deshaun Watson, but that appeal will go to Roger Goodell, uh, and he will hear that, and more than likely, because it's the first time that this structure has been in place, whatever that she rules, if Deshaun Watson does appeal, Roger Goodell is probably just going to uphold it, because they need to set the precedent.
0: Right. Um, uh, I hope this man gets suspended for a year It's just uh, I mean, even though basically the guaranteed money will be delayed a year, in essence. I just think that I just think that it's really I mean, because there's a rumor that there's allegedly six more losses that are
1: coming. Right. After he's already uh settled twenty of
0: the twenty four.
1: Right, right. It, the The more news to come out about him, the longer the suspension will be. So right. they did. Now, this do doesn't look good nothing. for the Texans, right? Because they got named. Uh, apparently, uh, their security was helping draft the NDAs uh, that he used for a lot of these encounters. So that kind of makes them liable and aiding in him trying to get away with this so yeah that that takes a whole different approach um, so yeah this is going to be a, a, a land we thought when Ray Rice got suspended uh, and basically you know black NFL, that. <laughs> right we thought that that was you know the landmark iceberg moment
0: but yeah this is about to trump that Ew. And it's yeah, even worse yeah. because
1: it's a like quarterback involved and we know how important that position right. is. And it's a quarterback that signed a $230 million guaranteed contract this well, Right. Fully guaranteed contract. So even yeah, if the right. man gets suspended and then decides, you know what, it's too much hassle, I don't want to play, I'm just going to retire, they still got to give him like 45% of that money. <laughs> It's ridiculous, man. But, um, yeah, this is going to be one of those situations that's definitely going to set a precedent and um, change the way that discipline is looked at in the NFL for sure. So um, the overreactions and the underreactions are going to be overwhelming, and hopefully they can get it settled before training camp, and it'll be one less distraction uh, for the Browns. Uh, Speaking of one less distraction, my man. Scary Terry McLaurin signed a three year extension, $71 million with a $28 million signing bonus to stay in the Washington Commanders. Uh, He receives the largest signing bonus uh, ever for a wide receiver, uh, 500K more than Devontae Adams got uh, with the Raiders uh, earlier this spring. So, good move for the Commanders, finally putting some good news out there for people to uh, digest as it's been for the past three weeks or so. Nothing but bad news as more things get uncovered about Daniel Snyder and the things that he's been doing as the owner of the team over the last 20-plus years. Um, Roger Goodell got uh, subpoenaed by Congress to come testify and basically said that he does not have the power to remove Daniel Snyder from ownership. All he can do is call for a vote of the owners. And that boys club is not going to throw out one of their own because uh, they already did it once with Jerry Richardson and they had to be, you know, coerced and tugged and pulled to do that.
0: So, uh, yeah. Especially because Jerry Richardson. Well, Jerry,
1: well actually Jerry Richardson was like, you know what? I'll just sell the team. He probably could have dug in and, and kept it. But he was yeah. like, you know what? I'm 80-plus years old, you know what, man? It ain't really no need to to try to fight this battle. Let me just go ahead and enjoy the rest of my years and take this large, large sum of money y'all about to give me and uh, go on down the road. All right. Yeah, so. But, yeah, good for Terry McLaurin, good for Washington. Um, yeah. as, a, as a team, as a franchise, um, most promising young player we've had. Uh, In quite some time, especially offensively, um, hopefully he can continue to stay healthy and be able to develop a good relationship with Carson Wentz and, um, you know, have his first double-digit touchdown season and, uh, you know, continue his, you know, close to 100 catches over 1,000 yards uh, baseline that he set so far in his career. So very happy for Terry. And uh, looking forward to seeing him uh, make a lot of plays for the commanders uh, this fall and winter. So, Dwayne, at this time, sir, I'm going to turn it over to you for your
0: final thoughts and your shout Well, it's July, and the Mets are still having a disappointing foley fully yet. So, I'm happy in the baseball world. Um, But my final thought is spring football, my favorite time of year. Or new favorite time of year. Um, So, USFL playoffs was this weekend. Um, We had the North Division Championship between the uh, Philadelphia Stars and the New Jersey Generals. This was the game that was on Fox. And it was the uh, Generals who got, I mean, that's the Generals but the Stars, upsetting the Generals, basically, what happened in this game. Um, the Stars got out to a quick lead with uh, forcing New Jersey the turnovers. Um, and New Jersey tried to stage a comeback, but the Stars' defense pretty much held strong. I keep in mind, this was a six and four Philly team taking on the nine and one New Jersey team. New Jersey was heavily favored to win this game, but it was the Philadelphia Stars uh, winning the game, and they clinched the first spot in the USFL ball. And, and then, in the second game later that night, the nine and one Birmingham Stallions who basically almost ran the table. Uh, They beat the New Orleans Breakers 31-17 and they won the South Division. So, 7.30 on Fox Eastern on July 3rd, Sunday night. It'll be uh, Birmingham and Philadelphia. Birmingham is a a 4.5 favorite. Over-under is 44.5. And the one thing I just I just enjoy, um, I enjoy watching spring games like this because even though it's not the best competition, not the best players, it's guys that love the game. And it's guys you know that may have thought that their career was done and they, you know, they weren't going to sniff at least a stiff, uh, Lisa practice squad or a tryout this kind of gives them the opportunity because you want, you see how bad they want it. So uh, this was a successful season. Uh, the viewership was actually better than MLS. It was better than English Premier League games on NBC. And it was better than um, golf as well. So it's coming back for a second season. Fox is looking for another investor. They're still going to put money into it. And at least two to four teams will actually be playing in their cities next year. We don't know who those teams are, but um, uh, they want an additional investor because they do want to expand to other cities. So it looks like the USFL is here to stay, uh, especially after COVID wrecked the second version of the XFL they're going to have a third version next year so there will be options and we'll just have to see how it plays out
1: alright thank you sir for joining me once again uh, here on know the score always wrapping it up it's a very poignant final thought Um, what is my final thought going to be I don't really have anything right now that I, I, we kind of talked about all the stuff that I was going to kind of mention I think Um, I don't really have anything right now. Um, hopefully, uh, Bubba Wallace can get a a better pit crew or his pit crew can improve because, uh, they've cost him a lot of uh, potential good finishes this year by being very, very shitty. And, uh, it happened again on Sunday and, uh, yeah, he, uh, he was highly, highly upset. Um, I would be too he had a very terse exchange with his crew chief um but you know he battled back and uh, ended up finishing twelfth uh, which was very respectable uh considering the the uh, calamity that he ran into but uh, other than that other than um you know we got two dueling golf uh Organizations out here now, uh, one's for the love of the game and the tradition, and the other one is all about the money. It's very reminiscent to uh, WCW uh, 1997, 96, 97, 98, you know, with the traditional WCW, Sting, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, Arn Anderson, Full Horseman, going up against the new upstarts of the NWO, you know, with the some established guys. Uh, you know Hall, Nash, Hogan, and then you know some some newer, younger faces as well. That's kind of what live golf versus PGA tour gives me vibes up right now. And um, one's all about the money, and they're not trying to see no return invest in investment. They just like, hey, we're playing these tournaments. We can come and guarantee you all this money. It's 18 holes shorter than your normal tournaments, and uh, yeah. So you can either do it for the love and the tradition, or you can do it for the money. We got a lot of guys in golf doing it for the money.
0: So, on that note. Uh, I'm I really am interested to see how this is going to, this uh, PGA live series is going to play out. Because PGA is pissed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I'm really
1: looking forward to see how that plays out. Uh, the one thing that PGA has going for them over Live right now is Liv doesn't have a TV contract. So, um, you know, they've got all these players or are having these tournaments, but you can't see it anywhere. So until they can find themselves a, a television partner, which may be hard here in the United States because, you know, people don't really want to do business with the Saudis like that. Um, I yeah. think the PGA Tour can be okay because, you know I'm saying, you don't have a dueling threat.
0: A burny.
1: Yeah, whereas, you know, maybe in two years, you know, you may be able to, you know, turn on a Saturday and have your choice. I can watch the PGA Tour, I can watch this live. And then that, I think, would be a bigger concern for a PGA Tour, a PGA tour going forward than just, hey, we got a whole bunch of money and we're going to try to poach the money hungry players out of the PGA. You know? Very interesting. Um, so, again, shout out to everybody who listens to Know the Score, everybody who supports us here at CSPN. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, become a patron. Um, subscribe over on the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash CSPN Media. Uh, get the extra content that we provide to our Patreon page. Uh, shout out to everybody over on the Wrestlecast side of things. Shout out to everybody over on the Comic Chronicles side of things. Definitely appreciate all the time and effort everybody puts into making the CSPN what it is. So for my co-host, Dwayne, I'm your host, Don DeLorente, And now, you know the score.